Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town, The Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch Merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers. Laura Elizabeth as the Orc Countant Eta and Princess Gwendolyn. Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom. McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse, Code, and Crown! Well, your compatriots rot in an incredibly nice jail. Um, Gwendolyn, uh, you are brought uh, to the uh, presidential palace of uh, Bleen. Uh, now, being someone who is familiar with royal etiquette and and kind of statecraft and everything else, uh, a number of things are already kind of red flags around this. Uh, a presidential palace, for instance, is a, a, a bit of an oxymoron. Yeah. Um, but um, unlike Duncan, who is kind of trained to understand immediately at looking at this system, kind of exactly where it sits and exactly what's going on, 
Um, for you, it's a matter of, I think you uh, intrinsically know a lot of these things from the observations you made at court. You just don't have the, the vocabulary that Duncan does for, for labeling them. <clears throat> so right. you're noticing, again, very ostentatious. Um, clearly, a lot of the same rules apply here, which is good. That does work to your benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious if there's anything else you want to be kind of on the lookout for um, as you're brought into the palace. Um, I think I want to keep a lookout for any any like basically servants, assistants, people who would have access to everywhere who are like looking downtrodden because I'm like anyone that who's basically I could take advantage of and get them to help me out. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, can you roll me a perception check, please? Sure. Now I do have advantage in perception on checks regarding queen courts. Would right. this be <laughs> this be one of those? <laughs> Sorry, on on just courts in general. Bleen courts. Yes, yes, right. you do. Well, that's good. That's a ten. Um, <clears throat> shit. So, um, as you're you're brought in uh, to the palace through a side door, uh, which the significance of which is not lost on you, um, you <laughs> are um, you can see uh, immediately that. Uh, there are obviously a lot of servants around, mm-hmm. um, but <clears throat> they seem to be going about their business uh, in a very efficient and um, almost with a bit of a spring in their step. Um, <clears throat> it's a strange, it's a far cry from what you you remember from uh, Orvel, certainly. Yeah. Um and it strikes you that whatever the carrot that is being dangled to make these people work this way must be pretty legit because there does seem to just be, and I mean, you, <clears throat> we've all felt this when we've gone into various places where it's like, oh no, the people here, like it's usually coffee shops. They notice it the most where it's like people who legitimately like their small business coffee shop they're running are like a far cry from like, welcome to Starbucks. My soul was crushed. Here you go. <laughs> Um, and it is, unfortunately, there's some pep in the step. Now, it's not like people are like enthusiastic and smiling, but they are very efficient. That said, everyone is also sick. So you're definitely seeing a bunch of um, people trying to kind of go about the, the servant gig, um, but necessarily stopping every so often because of the, the nature of, of their, mm. uh, their sickness. Um, and uh, you are struck by the fact that one of your guards uh, actually like sort of jabs a guy um, just kind of with an elbow as he walks by with like a back to work um, as, uh, as he passes. Uh, and you realize that even though everyone here seems to be doing their jobs kind of to the fullest, there's not that usual, like, and I mean, there may be, but it's very well concealed that like, I hate what I'm doing. Um, the fact that there is absolutely no concern for how sick these people are feeling um, gives you a bit of an in uh, because it's clear that, uh, Bleen is prepared for many things. This is not one of them. There are no right. etiquettes or protocols in place to accommodate this sort of, of thing. I think that the best model I can give you is... Um, Province of Ontario. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no sick days. Fuck you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but in terms of how they're acting, it's like a really good hotel where it's not necessarily that everyone loves their job. They're just... Everyone actually has the foresight and the interest in presenting 
a nice expected front. Um, right. So yes, again, just to clarify, it's not like everyone's like, hooray this, but it, it, there's, yeah. Gotcha. <clears throat> um, you are brought uh, through some some side hallways. Um, inside, uh, this building looks a little bit um, like uh, sort of the hallways of the White House where everything is just like, Slightly over-patterned carpet, um, a lot of like little pedestals with various trinkets from around the world, mm-hmm. um, paintings in a similar style to the statues you saw of of uh, turtles of import, um, and there are a god lot of like turtles shaking hands with people or like trading with people. Like a lot of those, I mean, usually in North America, it's like incredibly, incredibly misleading, vaguely gaslighty paintings of like. Uh, colonists and settlers showing up and just like hanging out with the indigenous population and everyone's like super jazzed about it because it was painted by a white dude who's like this is what happened right um it's a lot of that uh the turtles you notice though uh look like the heroes in all of these there's a definite Mm. um the the strong arm side of of history is clearly present here where no matter what you're seeing there's an awful lot of like the turtle seeming Slightly more magnanimous and all that sort of stuff. Um, can you please roll me? Uh, we'll stick to perception, um, and you can use your your total, uh, your bleen court advantage. I forgot you had that. That's such a handy thing for this mm-hmm. particular arc. Yeah. So glad, glad you didn't I wrote die in the down. shadowlands. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, that's a nineteen. Nineteen. Um, something that uh, you suspected is being confirmed by a lot of what you're seeing, which is. Uh, it seems like Bleen, like they're, they're, they're overcompensating rather drastically in, mm. in their art and their architecture and everything else. But you've noticed that even though there is a, their, their architecture is recognizable, there's no real style to it. Like I said, it's an architectural right. drawing. Um, and you're starting to get the impression that there is, like you're not seeing anything unique to Bleen here. You're seeing a lot of stuff that is unique and interesting from other cultures and other places, but Bleen itself doesn't seem to have any character identity aside from what it's managed to trade for, buy, and purchase. And you're starting to really get a sense of like, and I think weirdly as as sort of like biased and and uh, bigoted as, as your father uh, is, um, he always did describe Bleen as just kind of like a means to an end. And you thought he was being facetious, but as you look around, you realize they kind of are. They're They're the middle people. Their job mm-hmm. is to get things from one place to another. They don't necessarily create anything of value themselves. They're merely moving things through, hmm. um, which doesn't track with everything you've learned along your journey so far, but definitely from the looks of everything, there's a real sense of that and yeah. a sense of overcompensation to hide the fact that they are collectors of culture, not generators mm. of culture. Um, with that, you're brought into a room that had you seen the jails, you would recognize as very similar, if somewhat better appointed um, but a large, uh, a large sitting room. Um, think again, like a, a fancy hotel suite. Um, it's clearly well appointed, but the window is just a little bit higher than it should be, and a little bit smaller and slightly reinforced. Um, and uh, very much a like we want you to be comfortable and feel like you're on vacation, but also clearly, <laughs> this is jail. Um, yeah. You are um, uh, sort of welcomed in and um, a, a steward uh, arrives and um, uh, introduces himself, um, says, uh, uh, yes, uh, hello, uh, 
your majesty and just like bows bows low and with reverence um and says uh i am uh i've been assigned to be your 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 personal steward and assistant uh well you are in our care uh my name is block and i will be uh happy to assist you in in any way necessary um if you require anything there is a bell on the table i would ask that you please don't abuse the bell but you may use the bell to summon me at any time, day or night, and I will be happy to see to whatever you need. Um, if you would like me to uh, take your armor, uh, if you would perhaps like it cleaned or polished, we can certainly make that happen. If you would like a robe or some finery, we have many wonderful fabrics from around the world that I think will be quite to your liking. Uh, no, I mean, the armor's good. I'll just stay in it. Um... Very good, ma'am. Uh, now, when you say, like, you'll help me with anything, are there limits to that? Because I will hold you to that. Let's just say I'll hold you to that. Don't even tell me that there are limits. Um, You're just going to help me with anything, right? His shoulders right. drop a bit, and he's like, Ma'am, I, I don't mean to be rude, but we hear that joke a lot, we stewards. And no, I can't help you get free. I can't, you can't use your wish for more wishes, I, I'm merely here to provide your, your necessities, but do understand there are limits and no amount of you saying that there aren't will change that. But... <laughs> Stuart's good. But I'm... But I'm a diplomat. No, ma'am. You have to maintain... You're a hostage. And then the door closes. Uh, well, that was shit. Um, meanwhile, uh, Ida, you're having a much different experience. Um, you've been brought into, um, a large dining room, uh, and, uh, Ooh. there is, um, there's only one, uh, setting, uh, placed and, um, you also have a steward, uh, sort of approach you. Um, and, uh, she is without a doubt the most glamorous fucking turtle. Uh, you've ever seen. Now, you weren't with these cats in <laughs> um, the Root Folk adventure, so you are unfamiliar with uh, Sundara, but uh, she's done up with uh, with Root Folk Sundara, so just like mm. full um, like she got shot in the face with a makeup gun yeah. level of, of makeup. Um, a good That's visual awesome. for this would be like the uh, the tortle equivalent of uh, like Caesar Flickerman or um, uh, Effie Trinket from the Hunger Games. Like it's very like yeah. ostentatious. Stewart shows up um, and uh, she says, "Well, welcome, welcome, esteemed ambassador. Um, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing this correctly. Is it Ita? Ita?" Is it something else that I'm unfamiliar with? I my my vocal cords are somewhat limited, but I will do my absolute best. Well, I imagine that if you were uh, addressing me as an ambassador, you would probably use my full name, which is Itako Ego Discrepetere. However, I have learned that that is difficult for people, um, so you may call me Ita. Very good. I do apologize. If we had known that a representative from the Empire of Numbers was coming, I would have done my utmost to learn the full pronunciation of your name. I have had my vocal cords uh, 
altered several times in order to be able to best articulate the various names of the various people you've seen. You may understand I speak slightly faster than most of my compatriots. Um, it was painful but necessary. And just one of the many perks of staying here at the Palace of the Presidentia. Now, I must warn you, Presidentia Umos herself is not in, in state right now. Um, but uh, Wait, Vice- where is she? Uh, that's a complicated story that you really need not concern yourself with. Uh, happily, our government has been built in such a way that uh, the vice presidentia is able to act very easily in the absence of, of the presidentia herself, who, of course, has many very important engagements around the world. So uh, Pres- vice presidentia Rootback will be along shortly um, to discuss things with you. In the meantime, we've prepared a variety of foods. We were not entirely certain as we received no notice from the empire uh, as to your arrival, um, but we have uh, several meals prepared. Uh, you can pick what you like. And if you need anything at all, she pulls uh, a bell out of her pocket and hands it to you. So unlike the one that's uh, affixed to the desk, this is like a carry it around bell. Um, and uh, you notice immediately, Ida, uh, just turning it over in your hand. Um, it has glyphs. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm. carved into it and she says "Uh, this will summon me from anywhere in the palace Um, now of course this being a fully functional uh, uh, government uh, seat of government uh, you won't have free reign uh, of the place Um, from the dining hall here uh, when you're finished uh, please just ring the bell or uh, if you try and leave I'll I'll know Uh, and I'll be happy to uh, escort you to uh, the sitting room um, or uh, the library or to your, your bedroom I will most certainly want the library Excellent. Well, I will have it prepared. Um, in the meantime, uh, please enjoy your food. And if you need anything at all, please ring the bell. Again, I do apologize. No one is here to greet you. Uh, we are doing our best to rapidly put together a little diplomatic uh, meeting. It's been um, it's been a, a, a hot second, as they say, since uh, since anyone from the Empire visited, as I'm sure you know. So we're just uh, eager to, to make sure that we um, can accommodate you any way we need to. Well, if you would actually truly like to accommodate me, um, then you will have uh, the current prisoners released as well as uh, 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 Princess Gwendolyn of Orwell. Uh, They were traveling with me. Uh, uh, That would be an acceptable accommodation. Um, Well, I tell you what, um, why don't you reach out to uh, the the embassy at... uh, in the empire of numbers and uh, have uh, have uh, someone a little bit, uh, I mean, no disrespect, but a little bit higher up uh, the, the chain of command there. Uh, if uh, indeed the Googleplex uh, herself were to order a prisoner release, we'd be happy to do it, but I'm afraid ambassadors do not uh, have the, the legal authority uh, here in Blean to release prisoners. So if you would like to speak to the Googleplex, I'm sure as an ambassador uh, of note and here on a, a mission perhaps to reestablish di- diplomatic ties, I'm sure she'd be all too happy to, to respond, yes? I have to admit it is very confusing when someone says they will do anything to accommodate and then they do not <laughs> do those things that would accommodate. It almost seems that you were speaking an untruth before, no? Uh, I forget how literal the empire of numbers is. Let me put this perhaps more clearly. Um, We're happy to do whatever we can to accommodate you within reason, reason as defined by us here, your host country, who is allowing you, someone Uh, from a nation who has very aggressively cut off ties with us um, to visit unannounced uh, with a known treasonous villain who is responsible for the possible destruction of our entire civilization. So uh, there are some limits. Enjoy your meal. I believe you will find that you are mistaken on the treasonous part. Also, your reason is subjective. I did not recognize it. Um, she stops. She turns and she says, 
I believe it has become rather clear that you miss your friends. Please enjoy your meal. And then she turns to leave. Dum Dums and Dice would like to welcome you into a world of darkness and vampires with Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast featuring Ryan LaPlante as the gangster Ridley Beef, Tyler Hewitt as the conflicted detective Everett Fry, and Megan Miles as the poet Iris Dunn with storyteller Tom McGee. Join these newly turned vampires as they try to take control of Montreal. But all is not as it seems, and as their humanity slowly slips away, they are forced into increasingly dangerous situations as the streets of the city run red with blood and sticky with syrup. Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. New episodes available weekly. Ah, ah, ah. Like, <laughs> it's like Ida and Gwendolyn are competing to see who can have the worst <laughs> diplomatic impact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who who can who can forever shape the course of diplomacy in this world? Um, I just, I just, you know, I have my flaws, and you just <laughs> present me with something, and I can't ignore my flaws. <laughs> I just like look at my sheet, basically, like I can't let this go. <laughs> <laughs> That's role-playing, baby! <laughs> uh, meanwhile, uh, back in uh, the readjustment center, um, Maka and uh, Duncan, you are collected um, to uh, go and um, uh, face the court. Um, you're uh, brought uh, through the center, um, sort of through the corridors of, of the building. Again, a uh, little bit of a kind of a brutalist, if if you can if you can imagine brutalist architecture with wood. Um, everything is very functional. There are no embellishments in here. It is, but at the same time, it's as nice and clean as something that's unadorned and meant to look vaguely threatening could could be. Um, you are uh, brought to a, a large set of double doors um, that uh, are opened by a, a pair of turtles uh, upon your arrival. Um, and brought into a courtroom. It's a large um, sort of dome-shaped uh, structure um, that uh, has a, a number of um, openings um, sort of carved into the, the upper part of the dome to allow um, sort of uh, very dramatic beams of light um, to kind of intersect um, across the room. Um, there is a uh, sort of a, a large uh, podium where the, uh, the the judges uh, where the judge sits, um, kind of uh, in the center of the space, but um, further towards the north wall of the building. So it's not like dead center. It, it, it's a fairly standard, like as you'd imagine, a court setup, um, just in this sort of domed domed room. Um, you're brought to um, the uh, the accused. Um, booth, which is kind of a um, a circular, small circular booth that is in front of the the sort of judge's pillar, um, and uh, there are a number of turtles in attendance, uh, kind of uh, listening. Um, Maka, um, you can roll a perception check as you're brought in to see if there's anyone you recognize. Uh, Twenty one. Okay. Um, yeah, you recognize uh, some people pretty high up in the government um, that uh, you met when the delegation came to your swamp to demand your assistance in the diplomatic uh, expedition to Orville. Um, knowing that you're, you know, on speaking terms with or, or anything else, but 
uh, it's clear from a glance that this is a pretty high profile event. Uh, this isn't a quiet thing. There's, there's a lot of, of powerful people in the room. Um, Duncan, is there anything you'd be looking for? Do you think? Uh, I think Duncan would just be watching to see if there's any actively hostile looking parties. Like, you know, when you walk through the crowd, you're like, who are the fanciest dickheads who clearly hate my bodyguard client? I think he's in this situation, knowing that Maka is innocent of the whatever bullshit treason charges they're jumping up. He's almost thinking of Maka as the ward that needs to be protected in this circumstance. So who's hostile to Maka? Right. If you can spot it. Can you roll a perception? Yeah. That is 16. Okay. So with a 16, um, it's everyone. Everyone is particularly hostile to Maka. Uh, The entire room kind of um, looks and there's a lot of like, you know, uh, background glower head shaking acting going on um, that uh, extras are like to do a um, lot of disapproving glances, a lot of kind of um, like, it, it's almost uh, like a, a, you know, a wave rolls across the room when, when he enters uh, and there seems to be a lot of consternation. Great. <laughs> he just says to himself as he keeps walking up to hear yep. what the charges are so um you're seated in the booth and um uh, after a few moments of, of bailiff announces uh judge um hazel knight kell um who uh kind of um sweeps into the room um wearing just like full-on judge robes um in a, a bright brilliant red uh, and uh, improbably is wearing a uh, like a curled white judge's wig. Um, it's uh, they wear it with uh, as anyone who has to wear a judge's wig does uh, wears it with like great pomp and circumstance, uh, completely oblivious to how completely absurd this turtle looks uh, with this this wig. Um, she uh, she comes in and uh, kind of like waves to everyone to to shut up. Um, and uh, looks looks like makes direct eye contact um, with you, uh, Maka. You've never met uh, Hazel Knight, but um, you did know uh, her brother uh, Chestnut Kell, who was uh, yeah. First Blade. Um, yeah, I was gonna uh, say Duncan is displeased when he hears the name Kell because he's like, "Well, that first sword <laughs> didn't make it." <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, both of you kind of knowing the score, uh, the judge, um, settles down, uh, into her, her seat, um, and, uh, wipes her nose, um, and like something gets in the wig and you just, there's just that, like that sense of just like cold fury, like sideshow Bob stepping on a rake, cold fury about like the fact that this indignity has occurred. Um, but um, not a great start to the case. Um, she uh, consults some notes and um, she uh, looks up and says, uh, Maka death cap. I must say the court is rather surprised that you would return to Bleen after everything you've wrought upon our nation. Yet here you are. Now, I understand from 
Ambassador Longleaf that you, quote, ruined his shot at the orgy room and did not live up to his hard partaying ways. He insisted I pronounce it that way, and <laughs> I did. Nevertheless, <clears throat> this court is not concerned with rooms in which orgies occur. That seems childish nonsense. We are, however, quite concerned with the curse you have unleashed upon this nation with your spores and your jossy. We all suffer at your hands, traitor. Not only did you deliver the Presidentia into the hands of our enemies, but you have unleashed a plague upon us, and you have two very simple choices. You may confess to it, die quickly, and leave us to attempt to solve the mess that you have unleashed, or you can plead your innocence and perhaps find a way to solve it. Because frankly, that's about what it would take this court to believe you are truly innocent. But as is the way of our nation, you shall be judged by a jury of your peers. I must say, though, Mr. Deathcap, you will have a rather large reputation around these parts. It will hardly be impartial, but it's the best we can do. What do you have to say for yourself, traitor? Maka looks to Duncan and gives like a, a thumbs up and then just looks back and says nothing. Well, it would seem that the accused is content with that series of events and is turning to their human counsel. Um, I believe you introduced yourself as uh, one Duncan Kin Dano. Is that correct? Uh, and Duncan will stand up and sweep his hat aside in a respectful kind of like bow his head and just say as... Duncan Kindano, first captain of the Dawnbreakers, sworn to Lady Justice and protection of all good things in this world, including the Tortles of Bleen, Your Honor. Very good. Uh, Mr. Kindano, did you have anything to do with unleashing the curse upon Bleen? And she's giving you a, a, like, a, a look of like, just fucking say, say the thing I need you to say. <laughs> Absolutely not, Your Honor. I have been fighting alongside Maka for a long time, yeah, hoping yeah, to yeah, save yeah, yeah, the totals yeah, yeah. of bleed. Okay, that's, that's fine. Thank you. You're free to go. Uh, Mr. Deathcap, um, the charges of treason are, are no laughing matter, and while I appreciate the court jester you've brought with you, um, it will be up to you to, to prove yourself to this court one way or another. We have appointed... The only counsel in Bleen willing to take your case, you'll meet with you shortly. But given that your plea appears to be a thumbs up, I have no choice but to allow this ridiculous trial to move forward. We will reconvene in two days' time. Rest assured, I will get to the bottom of this as quickly as I am able. Until then... Court is adjourned. Also, please, and she looks like just so exhausted at everyone assembled. She says, please remember this is a trial. This is an in-progress trial, and it is imperative you do not speak about this to anyone. And she just looks around with that, like, I know you're going to, but I have to say it, look. And she just says, um, this is the turtle who has cost us everything. 
Do not screw this up, people of Bleen. We deserve answers and vengeance. And justice, but vengeance. Good day, Mr. Kendano. Apologies on behalf of the Consortium of Bleen for your incarceration. Mr. Longleaf has some rather strong ideas about what he's entitled to, and I disagree with all of them. You have my apologies, and you are free to go. I appreciate that sentiment, Your Honor. And with that she, yep, um, she's gone. Like you, you, you get back up and you just see, like you know, like the classic like wig and robe, just like fucking off out a door. Um, now uh, you are allowed to stay with Maka. Um, oh yeah, he's definitely doing that. As, but uh, yeah, you're you're no longer um, considered part of the trial because, uh, as you indicated earlier, uh, yeah, you had no part of this. <laughs> this actual <laughs> thing they're charging him with uh, has literally nothing to do with you. So good for you. Um, so, uh, the two of you are brought back, uh, to the, uh, readjustment center, uh, Duncan, you're, you can, uh, enter the cell by choice kind of as a, as a standing, um, uh, visitor, um, or they can give you a stool out, out in front, which do you take? Um, if he can get in and out of the cell, he'll go into the cell. He's not really worried about like appearances in that regard. Um, so, uh, the two of you are, um, in the cell, uh, Maka, this just reminds you why you went further into the swamp back in the day. Like the judges clearly already made up her mind about what's going to happen here. There's a jury, but it sounds like they're all biased and it also unfortunately comes as no surprise to you that due to the events at Orvel. Uh, you have been 100% scapegoated for the curse that had already afflicted Bleen when you left. The whole purpose was to seek help in Orvel, and now it would seem that retroactively you are are bearing the brunt of the blame. Um, is there any of this that you would convey to Duncan? Duncan is obviously um, a pretty like uh, savvy guy, and he's obviously making his own observations, but is there anything that Maka would feel um, necessary to share? I think now that the charges have been laid out and Maka's understanding of like, don't speak until you've heard the charges has kind of been satisfied. Maka actually has like a bunch of things to say to Doug <laughs> that he like was like, would have said yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Just been saving them up. Yeah. Um, he would say, uh, he would definitely bring Duncan up to speed on the situation in Bleen before uh, his arrival in uh, Orville, uh, his reason for going to uh, Orville. And, yep. uh, um, and there's some, there's some stuff that I don't know about in terms of like the, the events leading up to my arrival in Orville that maybe you and I can figure yep. out. But. Well, so essentially what, what you're able to convey pretty quickly um, from your understanding of it is that um, uh, the, the, um, the various um, creations you were making with, with spores um, were starting to lose their potency. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the healing that you were normally able to accomplish was growing less and less potent. Um, you can consider it um, the way like uh, a vaccine is less potent over time as, as yeah. things develop. Um, or uh, the way caffeine doesn't have the same effect the longer you've been drinking caffeine. Um, so, uh, all around Bleen, uh, and there were like you, you basically you kept getting reports of people being like, it kind of worked, but it didn't really. 
Um, and to you, this was greatly concerning because this obviously affects the cluster and is you, you hadn't changed anything and you mm-hmm. double checked and triple checked your, your recipes and your concoctions and all of them were sound and should have been working. But you could also tell from the way you were working with spores that they were losing their effectiveness. And there was seemingly no reason for that, that you could ascertain. Um, when the delegation and the presidentia came knocking, um, they were bringing a, a gift of friendship um, on a diplomatic mission to Orville, um, but uh, were also seeking out um, uh, some, to your understanding, they, they never went into tremendous details, but um, there was some suggestion that Orville might actually have something that could help with this, um, something they'd had for a long time, Um and that, uh, in theory, by presenting the case and with you explaining what was happening with the cluster and with your your spores, they might be able to uh, provide assistance. They didn't go into details as to what was being sought out, um, but to your mind, anyone who might have an answer as to why this was no longer working was worth consulting and worth going along for mm. the trip with. Um, it is safe to assume from the the various mentions of the curse you've heard now elsewhere that the gradual decline in the effectiveness of the spores and the rise in the sickness is, uh, is linked. Um, But uh, this is to your mind, a much more advanced situation than what you left, but also you didn't spend any time in sour. So this could have already been manifesting in minor ways. Then you just weren't present for it. Yeah. So you convey all that to Duncan. Yes. Uh, uh, there's one thing that I would like to consult the cluster on as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, is can I, by like reaching out um, to the cluster to this like spore network consciousness, can I detect an increase in like death and decay in the city? Is the sickness such that it's make causing people to die, or are people just ill and going on with their lives? Uh, can you roll for that? Yeah, uh, I think we were saying nature or religion. I believe so, um, yes. Which I think is the same modifier. Let's see, religion and yeah, it's the same. So it's both. Yeah. Uh, so that's a plus four, uh, 11. That's 11. 11. Um, you can sense uh, death uh, in the city, but not at the rate that a pandemic would be causing. Yeah, not like an overwhelming. No. Yeah. Um, okay. But by the same token, um, you you feel an alarming absence of decay. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. In addition to that, I, I think um, so. In addition to providing uh, Duncan with all that information about like this is like how I got involved and this is what's going on. I'm not responsible for this. Um, but also I think um, he would want to talk to Duncan about since Duncan is free to go, what, what's, what is Duncan going to do? Mm-hmm. And, and if he needs anything from me, uh, a lean native, although an outsider, like what does he need? Well, Mark, I'm thinking you've got your defender and we need to find out if they're the least bit competent because you might just have someone who's a bit of a rabble rouser who's very smart, or you might have someone who is, shall we say, ancient and confused about who you are. And either will greatly affect the game plan. I don't know your courts well. Do they allow trial by combat? Is that something I'm aware of? 
Uh, you have no idea. You no, didn't pay pay much attention. Um, I'll ask about that when we get to the defender. <laughs> I think the question is, would I be more useful as some sort of private investigator, someone who could go out and look for evidence for your case and bring it back to a competent lawyer? Or if the lawyer is terrible, how quickly can I get myself qualified as a lawyer in Bleen so I can represent you in the court? The third option, and he'll just like look out the cell door to make sure nobody is like that close and lean back in and kind of whisper. And he's like, it seems like your courts are not exactly unbiased. Now, I know you didn't do this crime. And if they were giving you a fair trial, no Dawnbreaker would ever interfere. But if they're going to give you a crooked trial, then it sort of becomes inherently necessary for me to try to, one could say, unbalance the scales in an equal amount the other way. We'll only know once you've had a lawyer, but maybe the judge needs a favour. Only positive things. I'm not talking about intimidation or extortion or any of that shite. I don't do it. But there will uh, be people who need help with things. You just hear a voice say, well, hey, now, let's not uh, take those ones off the table yet. Huh? And um, as uh, you you look back out, uh, coming down the hall is um, a... Uh, Tortle, um wearing a bright pink suit um, that is uh, like cut in such a way that it kind of like, it's clearly from a different culture. Like it would probably fit Ida. Um, like it looks it's sort of orcish and cut design, but she's clearly like sliced it so she can wear it over her shell. So it really is like a flappy like vest now, but it's in theory a power suit. Um, she has a, um, uh, Matching again, like shades of glamra, um, matching lipstick around her whole tortly mouth. Uh, and uh, to your surprise, has actually painted um, the uh, the sort of like claws at the end of her her fingers in the same color. Um, and she is marching with like a blazing grin uh, on her tortly face. Uh, and he's being led uh, by a small creature that's hopping in front of her um, on a on a lead. Um, and, uh, the, uh, the, the creature kind of like hops to a stop and then tugs on, uh, on the, the leash. And as a result, she stops as well. Um, and, uh, she just says, you know, listen, your friend, he's got a lot of this, right. You know, it is an unbalanced trial. And I, I think he's right. We don't want to, you know, ruin anything here, but who's to say that, you know, a servant, a lady justice like uh, like this fella I heard talking earlier. Uh, who's to say that he can't, you know, just nudge things the right way? Am I right? Because everybody needs a favor. And honestly, everyone needs good representation. Speaking of, name's Murdoch Truegood. I'm your lawyer. This here's my CNI frog, Dennis. And together, we are going to unfuck you. Who's ready to get legal? This episode of Curse Code and Crowd Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGee TD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. 
So please join us again for more Curse Code and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Christian Mendez, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire on Friendly, Great Dane, Acrix, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.